you're much more likely to encourage trust by spending time with your team. A team that don't trust are less likely to tell you what you really need to know as a manager, as a national manager, as a sales director. And if you don't know what the challenges are or you don't or you're not willing to listen, oddly enough, you don't change it. Welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast with business strategist, speaker and author Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hi, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast. How are you doing? Episode number 74. I want to first of all thank you for the time and your attention to join me and our guests on the Business Mastermind podcast. I really am very grateful for every moment you spend with me and our guests on this show and I hope that you're managing to not only get value and stimulation from the conversations but more importantly put ideas into practice for the benefit of your business and yourselves. Now, if you've got salespeople in your organization, which of course I'm sure you have, or you are managing a team of salespeople, then you're going to enjoy the insights and the advice from Chris Lowe. Chris Lowe spent a, a career in pharmaceuticals um, to the point of being, uh, you know, running national teams. And we have a conversation this week about sales force effectiveness. There's some real powerful gems in there about such as recruitment and about hiring right. There's also uh, some things that you need to look at around possibly yourself if you're managing teams and sort of look into the mirror. Yeah, so packed uh, full of um, for advice, structured with six clear steps that you're going to be able to take away and either share with uh, sales managers in your organisation or put into practice if you're in direct contact with the, uh, the people in business development and sales roles in your business. So straight over to the interview and the conversation with Chris Lowe of Insight6 regarding sales force effectiveness. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Today, I've got the great pleasure of spending time with Chris Lowe. Chris is uh, his business is Insight Six, and his specialism are customer experience and Salesforce effectiveness. Chris, good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much for inviting me, Gavin. No, my pleasure. Uh, we first met uh, because we have uh, we share a mutual client and uh, both approaching the growth of that business from um, a, a different point of view. But uh, through the conversations I'd had with you, Chris, I got more and more intrigued and fascinated by the work that you do about across both those areas around customer experience and salesforce effectiveness and we thought actually we would um we'd have a podcast about both but today we're going to zone in on salesforce effectiveness so what do you mean by salesforce effectiveness salesforce effectiveness means many many things um it's it's very much what, how i would kind of best picture it is it's a it's a jigsaw of all the different elements that will impact on the potential outcomes and outputs of a sales team. Just to give you some examples, to kind of in this jigsaw, you've got your recruitment, you've got your strategy and planning, you've got your initial induction and training, you've got different measures, you've got training and development, you've got your own kind of team engagement and motivation, managing performance, leadership and culture, and there's just a few. 
So right. a big jigsaw and all of these different elements can have a significant impact on the outcomes of any sales team. For sure. So I know you've got a lot of experience working with sales teams, etc. Can you give a little bit of exam uh, of your background to give people context of what will that we're not going to go on and talk about? Sure. So um, kind of where my experience comes from is how long was I? Probably about twenty years, just under twenty years in the pharmaceutical industry. Yes. So started off um, selling to GPs, um, and then I, then I moved on to selling to GPs, hospitals hospitals only and after probably about five years got my first regional manager's job so I looked after a um, team of approximately eight different uh, sales team members measured, managed a few teams and then uh, looked after the national team for a FTSE 50 pharmaceutical company um, fantastic so that's kind of the background and now um, and now I do quite a lot of training with individual organizations on Salesforce effectiveness Great. So I know uh, we've had some conversations prior to this around sort of uh, if we were to structure this in terms of a number of key learning points so that people are listening to this that may have a sales force that uh, it sort of spans from one to 10 or 50 people. Um, we want anybody to listen to this to get some key takeaways. So, you know, if there was um, how many how many points are you going to be sharing with us today? I suppose it, I could go on forever, Gavin. I think that's the, <laughs> that's the challenge we've got. I suppose it depends on how long we're here. But you know, I, I think we could potentially get up to six points. You know, five Great. or six points from the day. But you know, it just depends on you know your questions and uh, which direction we go in. So let's do an overview of the six and then let's start to dive into each of those six in turn. Okay, so if we take the first one, um, it's uh, take time to recruit properly. And there are different methods of doing that. And there are businesses that I see do that really well. But there are also a lot of businesses that I see don't do that well. And the impact is significant because the impact isn't just paying somebody for six months. It's the impact of all the lost sales on top. Second one is train from day one. Um, And what I don't mean is just training on the product or the service that they're going to be selling. It's how they sell it. So typically I'll see training on what, but not necessarily on how. Thirdly, uh, measure the most important inputs and outputs that will impact on the business. I'll go into more detail later. Um, But measuring anything outside of that can potentially, again, impact on outcomes. The fourth one, and one that I don't see in too many places, is implementation of a selling skills model. Even if you've got an idea or a draft of what that might look like, the implementation piece is the absolute critical element. No implementation, and you will see people just selling in the way that they think is best, and you'll see a significant difference from top-to-bottom performance in your sales force if that happens. Yeah. Fifth one, uh, the role in the development of the sales managers is absolutely critical. Yeah. You will see a dramatic difference, absolutely dramatic difference between a sales team with a good leader and a sales team with a poor leader. And then finally, the temperature, how the team are feeling, their engagement um, is huge. So 
you've got to have to think about how do you make this team feel good? Because when they feel good, they sell well. And of course, ultimately, people are selling themselves as well as they're selling the product, aren't they? But in, in a market where there are always competing products on there on the market, it's people buy off people they know, like, and trust, don't they? So if they're feeling good, that's infectious. That's that that people, the potential customer feels good around you. They're more likely to trust you and they're more likely to do business with you. Absolutely. And, and hopefully if you've recruited them on passion and enthusiasm, yep. which is my number one. So let's loop back around to number one then about that recruitment. So take time. You recruit on passion and enthusiasm. Recruit with, well, as a starting point, I always, I would always recruit on passion and enthusiasm. If you don't have that, then you can't, it's very hard to get across to people how, how, um, how much you believe in that product or service. And then going back to that temperature and engagement piece, if you dampen the engagement and how they feel, that enthusiasm level will drop and you will sell that. Sure. Sure. And you will sell less. So, so where, what do you see as some of the mistakes that people uh, make in terms of recruitment then? If we go back to the first point. There are a few that I tend to see. The first one is they may not have identified what the ideal person looks like. Okay. okay. So um, quite a lot of the time what I'll see is I'll see people advertising for experience, which is think it's fine to do that but I don't think it's the most important thing. It depends. It obviously does depend on, depend on the job, but experience in a very specific location. I think you can train, you can train on that area of um, knowledge, but you're less likely to be able to train on the, on the, on the, the passion, the attitude, the enthusiasm, that kind of going that extra mile. So don't look for things that are going to negatively impact on um, getting the right person. Um, and what I would do is if you've got a starting point for looking at getting the right kind of salesperson is have a think about what are the skills and competencies? What are the skills and competencies that are most important to, the, to, 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 to an individual working for you that will um, – get you the right outcomes and I say quite a lot of organizations so they might have a job description but they don't necessarily have an indication of what those comp- skills and competencies might look okay like. yeah and, and and an example of those skills and competencies might be selling and persuading influencing teamwork and communicating empathy rapport building drive for achievement creativity there's so many that what you best to do first is to break down the ones that are most important to you and recruit on it. And most, most of the questions in my one-to-one interviews will be around the skills and competencies that are most important to the right outcomes for this salesperson. Great. That, okay. that would be where I would kind of start is build the, build the person you want. Otherwise you're going to get anybody so you're going to recruit for passion and enthusiasm. You know you've got very clear about the person that you want in terms of skills and competencies. Um, what else are you looking for? What else are other pointers to get recruitment right? It's potentially how you do it. So obviously okay. you just do the initial kind of the screening. Um, typically, I would you can you can use psycho, uh, psychometric testing as a, as a screening tool, or you can use it part of the process, but um, I wouldn't use it in, in, kind of on its own. It's part of the puzzle that is, again, sure. um, recruitment. Um, but 
face-to-face interviews. Um, now, anybody who has any sort of influencing skills should be good at that, you know. So, mm-hmm. but the problem is, it doesn't mean they're going to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, when you competency-based interview, it should be very much based on what they've done on, in the past. Give me examples. Give me examples of those different elements that you're most interested in. Um, because the best indication of what they're going to do in the future is what they've done in the past. Sure. So um, I think I would start there, I think, with 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 that. And then I would, once you've kind of got a, a shortlist, I take them to assessment centre. Now, that okay. assessment centre might look at multiple different things, and it's time-consuming, and it costs the organisation money, but not as much as it's going to cost getting the wrong person over and over again. So at the assessment centre, you might want to have a look at their presentation skills. You might want to look at their team working. You might want to look at their selling skills. Bring someone in. Make them, you know, give them a scenario. And not, not sell me this pen scenario. Give them a real scenario where they will have to sell something. Give them a bit of time to think about it. Put them in front of an actor. Put them in front of somebody within the organisation and watch how they do it. And when they're doing that, measure them across a selling skills model, which looks at, you know, what are the different elements they are using, what the techniques they're using. So which ones do they already have in place and use naturally? Um, And do they have, or do they not have many? And by the end of that kind of assessment process, you should have an indication of who's the best person for the job. But finally, what I would say is, unless you're sure, do not recruit them. Your gut telling you for a reason your gut will be 95% right. It's a very odd thing, but it will be 95% right. If you think they're pretty good, we probably should, don't. And for many, that's um, very hard to resist, isn't it? Particularly if you've got uh, targets as a company that you're behind on, you've had a vacancy in the sales team or more than one vacancy for some time. The temptation is to to fill that space in the organisation chart, isn't it? Without a doubt. And I've made that mistake a few times, which is why I know it's the right thing, the right thing to avoid. Because once you're bringing someone in, you've then got to focus a lot of time training, developing them. As a manager, your time will be focused quite a lot on that individual, getting them up to speed pretty quickly, supporting them, developing them, rather than spending time upskilling the rest of your team. And that's all time away. Um, and then you're going to go through that process again. And yeah. I'm not saying you're always going to be wrong, but you know I've seen it time and time again with the managers I managed, and I've made the mistakes myself as well. So yeah. uh, it's just it's just not worth it. I appreciate the so pressure. So you, you're better to sit there with the vacancy in your sales team until you find the right person than you are to put somebody that's eighty percent there. Without a doubt. And in, from, from your experience, do you? Do you find people that are 100% right or do you have like a hurdle? I know because, you know, human, human beings don't come as a prescription but or a made to order, but to get someone that it ticks all those boxes in terms of passion, enthusiasm, the skills and the, um, the, the, the uh, competences and, and then they're demonstrating 
that they're performing well at assessment centre, do you do you have a kind of a hurdle, right, that they're 90% there or they're 95% there, therefore they're a good hire? Or is it the gut feel again? Uh, the gut feel is partly there, but typically what will, what will happen at an assessment centre, you will be measuring against the most critical capabilities, competencies that are important to that role no matter yeah. what they're doing. So you'll be looking for certain uh, competencies when you're looking at, when you're when they're doing the teamworking exercise, when they're doing the presentation, when they're doing the selling exercise, all these different exercises, you're going to be measuring them against certain competencies. And so what you end up with is a matrix at the end that basically gives them a score across these different elements. And you'll never get someone who's, when I say 100% right, they're not going to top score on all of them. I've never seen it. But, if say if it's a mark out of four and a three is a pass for that for kind of in your kind of top four capabilities or competencies at least they need to have passed all those right okay get it so take time to recruit properly number one number two train from day one absolutely um i would say since i've come out of the pharmaceutical industry this is the thing that i spot more often than anything else that isn't happening that that again significantly impacts on on the performance of the individual and the outcomes long term so what happens is they train the the business trains the individuals on the products or the services they sell okay and what you've got is then a team of, of somebody who doesn't really know <laughs> the best way of selling this product from day one and will go out, they'll do it their best. They'll do their best by just making it up on the spot, pretty much on the whole. They will do their best and they will maybe do some things well, but they'll do a number of things not very well. Now, some people will change their approach a little bit. Some people will change it a lot. But some people will just keep doing the same things wrong over and over and over again. So if you don't train them on a selling skills model and help them understand the best questions to ask um, during the conversation, how to link the kind of real benefits to the most important aspect of that person's need and sell really consultatively and do all of those different elements of of a selling skills model really, really well, then They'll, fe- they'll struggle from day one. And after three months, you'll probably be concerned about them. <laughs> Why are they not selling very well? Well, yeah. part, probably it's not their fault. They're muddling right. their way through. Um, and without any sort of selling skills training, there's no common language throughout the team. There's no common killer kind of questions. There's no questions that will open the conversation up there's no questions that understand the impact that it's having on the business there's no questions that will get to emotion and people buy an emotion um sure you can only imagine the impact of not training on the selling skills side of the services and product so even if you've got someone that's coming um to your business that they're a seasoned Mm -hmm. and experienced sales professional from other companies, you will still do that sales training to make sure the languaging is right, the model, the sales process is right. Without a doubt, um, I, I would say the majority of people I see in a sales role role have never really been trained on a really? skills model. But without a doubt, right. probably I'd say eighty percent haven't. So, wow. seasoned salesperson will be, on the whole, somebody who has 
been in a selling skills role, not that anybody, not, not that's been developed, and they will apply their their successes and their fa- and failures without knowing what's making them fail at times to this new product and service. So you, you I can only, I, can, I, I get, I, I can, I just see potential, massive, massive, massive potential by training teams and coaching them and implementing selling skills model from day one. And when you, just so that I'm clear or when people listening are clear, what do you mean by selling skills model? Is this your five te- five step sales conversation process, for example? And it might not be five, obviously, but... Yeah, there are different elements of a selling skills model and there are multiple different selling skills models out there and available to use and to be trained on. Um, you can Google it and you'll see different selling skills models. But typically, there are kind of some key elements of a selling skills model where people can be trained to use these different elements. Now, what you'll find is even people who haven't been trained on them doesn't make them not doesn't make them ineffective salespeople. But what you'll be able to see is, on the whole, the most effective salespeople do more of these things naturally if they've never been trained on them. Okay, so the kind of key elements that you might see is something along the lines of the starting point might be preparation, preparation for a call. Okay, so if you haven't thought. What are my objectives for this call? What are my what are the kind of key questions that I need to better understand to help me understand what their challenges and needs are? When you go in there, it will just happen and you will just do your thing. But if you've thought about it thoroughly, you'll start to understand the types of questions, the potential materials that you might need to take in with you and have available for you. So the better prepared somebody is, the better their outcome is. So that's just like the starting point of a, of a kind of selling skills. The second point might be, and, it, and again, it depends on the selling skills model, it might be um, it might be something along the lines of rapport building or um, you might call it understanding the customer's world, something along those lines. Okay. Where you build, you learn to build rapport under, and, and, and kind of get a feel for you know, their world um, and what they kind of circumstances that they're living in. Um, and just sort of, as you say, you build this rapport, you've got much more chance of then, um, if you've got a better relationship throughout of actually getting to some, some sort of conclusion that's going to create a sale of some point, whether it be there or in the future. Then you've got um, identifying needs. So that's looking at the kind of different levels of questioning skills, which I touched on before, so I won't go into kind of uh, too much detail there. Then you might have featured as advantages and benefits. Most people just use features. So they'll say, um, this television is HD. Well, HD on its own means nothing. It's what it means to the individual. Um, and And you can only find out what it means to the individual by asking the right questions. Sure. The true benefit should be the words that they've given you earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that if you can position the true benefit as the language that they gave you earlier because your product or service will enable them to achieve it, then you can you can imagine how that feels to be on the other side of that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's really powerful. And then you might have objection handling. Yep. You might have different techniques for rejection handling. Then you might have um, closing, different types of closing. Um, 
and then you might have some sort of review at the end okay uh where yeah. you think what went well <laughs> if you've never been trained to do this you won't do this but if you've been trained you can't stop it what went well what did i do that worked what did i do that i'm going to need to change for next time and then Great. what am i going to do next with this individual what are Great. the next steps brilliant so We've done step one, take time to recruit properly. Number two is train um, from day one. And we've just, on a selling skills model, we've been through seven steps of a typical selling skills model. So number three, I think, um, is a, I'm sure an area that's not done well uh, often, which is measure most inputs and outputs. Wow, there's so much you can measure. Quite often I see people measure the outputs, so it's the sales. Um, sometimes I'll see them measure uh, certain input KPIs you know, calls made, whether that be face-to-face, whether that be meetings. Um, but if you do some analysis, and what I would do is I'd have a think about what are the things that are, having the, are getting you to the, I suppose, the point where your team are selling the most, get, getting more conversions with the right people, which is really important. Um, and there might be certain activities that you'll find that they're doing more often than not. Um, so you might find that actually your team that do more speaker meetings sell more. You might okay. find um, your team that uh, focus on the right targets, assuming you've got a target list, which is critical as well. Assume on the right kind of targets that fit the criteria that's right for the business actually get more revenue they might convert less but they get more revenue by doing that so that's really important who you target when you target how often you see them how often you contact them um and obviously sales is really important you can measure sales market share um networking meetings appointments made you can measure so so much but but not just in isolation what I quite often see is people measure some of these elements in isolation, but they're not measuring the trends behind them. Mm-hmm. So if you think, and I wouldn't measure too many, I would measure three, four, five max, maybe split between input and inputs output. three, you know, yeah. because if you measured, if you've got too many, they start falling off. So if you mm-hmm. measure the three most important, that's, that's good. Your sales are your sales. They come from the output from doing the inputs. Um, yeah, yeah. you also got to measure those but trend them so put them all on a graph uh compare them um so you can see your see your whole team's graph of that kpi that's that's important because what you'll start to do and then again as i said this salesforce effectiveness is a jigsaw what you'll start to do is a when you can see what input what inputs are happening how do they relate to the sales um, and one of the other things I haven't mentioned measuring is the selling skills of the team. So me- okay. you can measure them against the selling skills model by sitting there, getting your sale, your t- managers sitting there, watching them, listening to their calls, sitting beside them, going out with them and supporting them. But they can measure them. So measuring those as well. And what you might find is once you've got this jigsaw of the effectiveness of the individual once they're in a call, plus the inputs they're making and where they're making them, plus their sales, you can start to piece together what it is that are having that's that you want the rest of the team to do more of or get better at if it's selling skills. 
um, that will create the same outcomes as your top person or your second person in the top two in the team. What are they doing that could be replicated by the rest of the team? Now, if you're not measuring on trend, you're probably measuring it on gut. You might do it monthly, but trend it all. Trend the, sell trend the selling skills as well. I've seen organizations where they've measured um, input, number of sales calls, meetings um, a week or a month, and they've got to hit a certain target around that. Mm. And I saw in that organization that I drove the behavior that individuals will be ticking the box and meeting with their comfortable clients for tea and coffee uh, or tea and cake and not necessarily spending the time on the new or larger relationships that actually were going to yield the best return. Absolutely. So you can set a target on new, can't you? Yep. Um, but another thing you can do, and it is something that does happen, and you're right, it is something around ticking the box. And that's why this kind of, you know, sitting, you know, having conversations about where they're going to go, what they're going to do, you know, that they are driving, really. You're asking that. You're coaching that as a, as, as, as a manager. But if I just let's go back to that, that point, really, you, what, we, what you can also do to prevent that is to set something what I would call a coverage and frequency target. Okay. Now, um, so you might say, and your, your jigsaw might tell you that uh, seeing or speaking to your top clients six times a year will yield the best outcomes. Right. Let's say you've got 50 target clients that in top client, 50 and kind of as your gold and then 50 as your silver. But mm -hmm. your team, because they've got a target to court to make calls or seeing the easiest people to see who are all yes. silver, you can start to yes. see that's going to have yeah. an impact. So you might set. So it, so what you do is you set. A t um, you might say we want to see 90 percent of our target customers because maybe 100% isn't possible. It depends on the organization. We want you to see your gold or speak to your gold six times a year, and we want you to see your silver twice a year. Right. And you measure right. that. Yep. So you're measuring the things that, again, going to have the biggest impact because you know them seeing the gold or speaking to their gold more often are going to get you the best results. Great. Does that answer the question? It does. So number four is about implementation of the selling skills model. Obviously, we've spoken a little bit about an example of a selling skills model. What do you mean by implementation of specifically? Well, having a selling skills model and just training on a selling skills model and then assuming that the team are then going to implement the selling skills model is crazy. Absolutely. Okay. Honestly, I see it all the time. I honestly see it all the time. Come and train us on selling skills. Right. If I come and train you on selling skills, how are we going to implement it? Oh, we just want the training. Well, there's no point because it won't work. So you're wasting your money. Don't make the mistake that training a team will 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 change its will just change its performance. It won't. Firstly, you need you need a manager that is going to help embed that. So that manager needs coaching skills. They need to be able to coach the team around selling skills. So that manager needs to fully understand the selling skills model and be able to coach around that when they're with the sales team, when they're with, when they're out with them, when they're listening to calls, when they're reviewing everything, you know, because th for me, if I was, if I was with one sales team member and I took time to, to listen to some calls or spend a day with them by the end of that day, 
I could identify the biggest, I'd say the key selling skill that was having the biggest impact on their performance, okay? And then we would just work on that one. So at the end of that day or the end of that, we would talk, I would hopefully, in most cases, because they've done the training, coach them to come up with their own ideas around the selling skills model that they're going to implement between then and the next time I see them um, within their calls that, are, that so that they get to, to change what they do and get better outcomes. Now they'll get challenges and they'll struggle and it's not necessarily easy, but I'd focus on one element and I'd sit and I'd say to them in a month's time that I'm expecting that language to be fairly comfortable. Okay. Or we've had conversations in between where you're struggling um, because that way they know I'm coming back, but also I'm doing it in a very supportive manner. It's not, I wouldn't, I don't put pressure on. I'll just say, well, this is kind of my expectation. Then um, They were your ideas. So go away and implement them. A, if they're their ideas, they're more likely to implement them. And B, if we're having a conversation where actually we've got a documented plan of what's going to be happening, that's where I'm starting on the first thing. That's where I'm starting on the, on the first, the next time I see them for this kind of conversation. So I yeah. start there and say, okay, so talk to me about what's happened. What have you done differently? How's that impacted? And then, and then we talk about what they're doing differently. I say, okay, so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to that. And that helps. I think that then that, that, yeah, so through embed it through repetition, through reinforcement. Well, first trying it in the first place. Okay. You just train and then they go out for the weekend. On Monday, they may well have forgotten it. But a, yeah. you, what they should have done from the training in the first place is take away some sort of plan that this is what I'm going to start to do differently. Yeah. And then, so day one, they start to do something differently, knowing that, at day seven, you're going to be having a conversation with them. Sure. So just making it a habit. And that links to number five then about the role in the development of the sales manager. This is something that I believe that you see often is an area that's neglected. Absolutely. The training and the development of the sales manager is absolutely critical to help them understand how to maximize their, the sales outcomes of the team. Um, I think... I think one of the kind of key mistakes I see is sales managers spending very little time with their own team. They're pulled away, yes. uh, doing different things. They're focused on reporting. They're focused on other things. Um, I said, if, I, if I'd have my way, the sales manager would spend 60% of the time with their salespeople. Right. Out in the field. Out in the field. Um, in, it depends whether you're kind of, you could be a telesales team. You could be anything like that. On the whole, because if you think about it, let's say you've got 10 people in your sales team. If you spend 60% of your time making them better, they're going to be better when you're not there. And yes. so you've got 10 people who are, who are better and consistently getting better as you start to develop them further and further across the selling skills model and their understanding of you know how to get better outcomes you can only imagine the kind of outcomes that you can get from doing that. And, and people are always surprised when I tell them, you know, in pharmaceuticals, in, in, we used to take our teams off the road for 20 days a year to train them. Now, right, some okay. of that was product-based. I'd sure. say four or five, a bit of 
motivation-based, team engagement. But I'd say the majority of that was honing their selling skills. You have to hone really? and hone and hone and get better and better and better. And you yeah. get much better outcomes. That's a significant investment there. 20 days, 20 working days a year. It's really, really scary to a lot of people. Yeah. However, A, the team are developed. They they get to talk through their challenges, their issues. They learn from each other. They get to see each other. You know, it's a good... And it also builds the team camaraderie as well. The, the mutual support, buddying, yeah. Yeah, so it's like kind of side saying, but actually a sales team that sells well and feel, feels better about what they're selling and how they're selling makes them a more motivated sales team. It makes them feel better. Um, you only need a small uplift from each. So we used to take up how many conferences? We'd probably do two, two to three conferences a year um, yes. plus some extra days. Um, and typically we would do a conference a few days and then um, four weeks later we'd bring them back in to present on what they've done differently. And in the right. meantime, all the regional managers would be going on field visits with them to implement that. Great. So you don't need a small up, up, you only need a small uplift, but they get better. It's this making them better and better and better all the time. Great. I love that. And then, so your final point was about the temperature of the team, about creating the environment so that they feel enthusiastic, they can thrive, they feel engaged, they feel that they're succeeding. Yes. So there are lots of things that can potentially impact on on sales teams and how they feel. Um, so you, you can let me just start with: <laughs> is, Does their manager take time to listen to them? Does their manager support them to achieve their goals? Does the organisation um, understand that? Um, the things that they are doing or putting in place can sometimes negatively impact on on the sales. And I'll give you an example of that. I can always remember this one. I remember standing in front of my sales team. We'd just launched a new product. And I was, um, and we put a sales target in place. And between then and the next day, my MD had a chat with me and he said, actually, we can put a bit more resource behind it, but what you'll end up with is a slightly higher sales target. So I looked at it and I thought, yeah, if we put that resource behind it, we'll hit that sales target, I think. We, we, you know, it's a challenge, but we might be able to do that. Um, so I then presented that back to the team because they're still at a conference and they were like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Anyway, about three days later, America got involved. They <laughs> said, no, we're going to triple your sales target. Okay. <gasps> right. Exactly. Exactly. With very limited understanding of the UK um healthcare system basically what they said was we've paid this much for this product we need to get this return so my key, one of the kind of key elements is never set a sales target based on how much you paid for a product no no because what happened was i had to triple the sales target now immediately every single team member in the room knew they would not hit that target that year and they're immediately demotivated. Immediately demotivated. You lose the call at the extra day, you know, the extra call at the end of the day. You lose the enthusiasm and the passion. They already know they're going to do it. And I had to change my stance um, to, I will all, you had to, there was absolutely no way around this. And we didn't say, you can't just hit it because we didn't have any, pro we hardly had any of the product on formularies and it takes months to get it on formularies. 
So you can't sell it even until it's on a formulary. So I'm already saying to the team, I what I will guarantee to you is that I will always tell you when you're doing a good job. And then I went in and I changed the bonus scheme so it went on growth rather than sales versus target as much as possible. There's only a certain percent yeah, yeah, you can do yeah. because it's critical that you retain your team, especially if you've got a good team, and it's absolutely you just can't underestimate losing your best people, the impact that will have. So if you if you're on you've tweaked your 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 targets and your not your targets but your bonus um, and how that's how that kind of impacts on the team, you, at least your good people will be growing the best, and you will look after them as best you can. But you know, targets are just one side of things. Communication is a critical piece with the sales team, especially a sales team in the field, because mm-hmm. they all have Chinese whispers. They all hear different things. Managers say different things to one team, to another team. Um, so measuring the team temperature, uh, so team engagement, uh, kind of voice of the sales team is a really important, is, is also really, really important. Um, and that links back to your previous point about spending 60% of the time with your team so that they feel um, loved in, in, for want of a better phrase, that you're giving them attention, that they're, they're getting the significance and the acknowledgement for the progress that they're making and feeling that they're able to demonstrate growth equally raise concerns. Yeah, you're much more likely to um, encourage trust by spending time with your team. Mm. So a team that don't trust are less likely to tell you what you really need to know as a manager as a national manager as a sales director um and if you don't know what the challenges are or you don't or you're not willing to listen oddly enough you don't change it Mm. um so you won't identify that this bronze list or whatever you've got is actually taking us away from the most important business or you won't you might find that a gold list is impossible to see six times a year you know so you're putting pressure on activities that are in unachievable which has this kind of you know whole kind of impact on motivation but there's so many things that impact on motivation that that measuring so there's lots of different measures you can take through doing a team temperature engagement and lots of questions you can ask within it and i'd recommend that you do it um, at least every six months um, with a team, uh, but don't don't ask the questions unless you're going to do something about it. So you can okay. ask questions on their training competencies, accountability at work, communication, uh, fairness, fun and enjoyment, career progression, flexibility, reward and recognition. And what's really good is when you start to improve that trend of how people feel. It all impacts on yourselves. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Chris, um, we've covered a lot of ground in a relatively short period of time. We've gone through um, six areas around improving team uh, effectiveness, sales, sales force effectiveness. If there was one extra thing that you could add that uh, you've seen almost is the difference that makes the difference in a sales, for, a sales force, uh, other than the passion and, the, and, and uh, enthusiasm, what would it be? Oh, on top of those six. <laughs> I, I'm very aware that I'll put you on the spot there. No, it's no, those six is a comprehensive, is a comprehensive list in its own right. 
I think I think I could give you probably two strategy and planning from the top. Right. Okay. Has to understand what's going on at the coalface. Yeah. Otherwise, it will go wrong. It will go wrong regularly, and it will reject why it's gone wrong. So, if a senior leadership set a strategy without really understanding the market, what it's like to be a sales team member, what will happen is that strategy will funnel down right the way to the sales team, and it will direct their activities. Um, but it won't support those activities. So even the senior leadership team, they should go out with the sales team a number of days a year. Three, four, five. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Because if if you're thinking about it, a marketeer that never goes out with the sales team is just ludicrous to me. Sorry if (laughs) if I've offended everybody. But they learn so much when they go. They'll start to understand, you're kidding. Okay, so... That's why that isn't working, right? We need to change that, or we need to give you yeah. right materials, the right language to be able to support that. But unless they do it and they do it regularly, the market changes as well. Or how one rep deals with it is different to how another rep deals with it. Sure. So strategy has to understand what's happening to the sales team and what what it's like at the cold face. Great. Chris, thank you. How people listen uh, to this uh, show want to hear more about what you do at Insight Six. Uh, want to hear more about um, uh, how you might be able to help them improve the sales force effectiveness of their own sales teams. Um, how do they get in touch? So they can get in touch in two ways. Um, my email address is chris dot at insight six dot com, or they can phone me on. 07818-015-317. Um, I think that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Fantastic. And Insight 6, is it the numeral 6? Yes. Sorry, yeah, yeah, it's the number 6, yeah. Yeah, great. Chris, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, I look forward to our next conversation, which will be um, in a little while's time, where we're going to just sort of dive into customer experience. Pleasure, Gavin. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success, and create more impact.